The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. Welcome into Purple Access, actually, which we do every Thursday. Rotating guests, of course, Tyler Fornis of VikingsWire.com every other Thursday. And today it's my buddy Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist, uh, a guy that covers the Vikings, obviously, very closely. My former partner in crime on the Vikings beat, Ross Brendel producing, which we appreciate. And this show, before I talk about anything to do with the Purple, I'm going to talk about something very near and dear to my heart, and I know Chip Scoggin's heart. And that is the beers from Surly, um, which includes Before I Die, it includes Logic Bomb, but Chip Scoggins, I'm going to get out of the way so you could talk about your personal fave, Furious, which is the flagship beer of one of the great breweries in this town. I, so I had a long day of work yesterday. I was out at the Vikings. I had a couple meetings. I had different things. Had to write a column. Got home, took the dog for a long walk. As I settled in for the evening, you know what I went to first? Oh, yeah. I normally, Furious, I don't normally say Furious till the end because that's like. Yeah. You know, that's that's the king of beers. That's that's the there's no it's it's at the mountaintop. I had two last night, Judd. I, oh boy. <laughs> tall boys? Tall boy. Yeah, you gotta have oh. the tall boys. I'm sorry. I'm the I'm the four pack guy. I'm the four pack guy. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So anyway, be like Scoggins, uh check out the the uh great variety of beers from our friends at Surly. All right, let's get to it. Uh I, I did hear you asking Justin Jefferson some questions, and I actually want to start there. Um yeah. Justin Jefferson, how great is the visual chipper of him telling you guys and gals out there yeah. at TCO on Wednesday that he was put into an 
ambulance to check to make sure you're like, you know, I'm sure he didn't have broken ribs, collapsed long internal bleeding. Thankfully, it all turned out fine. But telling you guys that he was then watching the game on his phone and in the hospital, in the emergency room and shouting and screaming, the visual on that one to me was just outstanding. It was. It was outstanding. So so Lindsay Young from Vikings.com, she actually asked him about Nick Mullins and what, you know, he said, obviously, he came in after you left, but what do you think? He said, yeah, I, you know, I was watching the game, and he, you know, he came in, he looked confident and all this. And that. So, thing, I was like, so when he finished his, his answer, I was like, wait, it's like you're watching the game on your phone? And I heard your question. <laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, and presumably in the emergency room while you're waiting for tests? He said, oh, yeah, I was yelling and screaming, and the people that were actually hurt or more, or, you know, that were seriously hurt were probably mad at me. So it was uh, – yeah, the visuals of that, I could just imagine – He's and he said the sirens were going. I mean, obviously that was to get him to the to the hospital, you know, so he's not sitting in traffic. Um, but he said he said in the back of the same as I assume they're checking him, doing different things, and he's got the phone out watching the game like <laughs> my I only question my the only question that didn't get get asked was did they insist he lay down on a gurney? <laughs> I was wondering so like, I was trying to like, see, you know, yeah. watching the game. <laughs> And they're doing the IVs or whatever. They have yeah. to I wonder, I always wonder, like, he went back to the locker room, so I assume he changed out of his football uniform, or was he still in his pants and, and that type thing? It's, uh, but he was he was very grateful of the care he got. Uh, someone asked him if people in the, you know, emergency room recognized him when he comes. I mean, he's obviously not sitting there with everybody. He's going to, they're going to take him right back. Right. But he alluded to this a couple times, Judd. He didn't go into it, but he said, I was frustrated. I want. I wanted to be out there on the field, but once I came to the sideline, there were circumstances that said uh, I, I couldn't uh, keep playing. Now, Ben Gaslin told me, my, my colleague said he was in that blue tent for only two minutes, so something got flagged right away by the medical staff that they had enough concern to send him on to, um, to make sure that he said no internal bleeding or broken ribs or whatever. But I, I do wonder if what happened with Jordan Hicks earlier this year Maybe has has led this team to be, you know what, because that could have been way more uh, serious outcome uh, for Jordan if, if they hadn't acted, reacted the way they did and get him to the hospital. So it's, it's always, you know, they're going to side on when any player, but with Justin Jefferson, if, if you're concerned that there might be something else going on internally, that absolutely was the right call. And, and you know, thankfully it wasn't anything serious. Absolutely. All right. Your thoughts on, on the switch from Dobbs to Mullins. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but um, Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner put out a basically 20 minutes breakdown. It was well done. I mean, the dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was great about how Dobbs did not play a bad game about how he didn't think Dobbs should be benched. Your thoughts on the decision that they that I thought that they actually made late in that game yeah. to finally uh, pull the plug on Dobbs and go to Mullins? Yeah, I watched the first five minutes of it, and hey, this is a Hall of Fame quarterback breaking it down and showing you exactly like his bewilderment with some of the route concepts and guys being yeah. in the same area, and clearly his receivers let him down too. I mean, how many drops did they have in that game, Judd? Where they lead um, the league now? Yeah, it, it's yeah. Uh, so it, to sit here and say it was all Josh Dobbs' fault, I mean, that's being completely unfair. But I also think you're coming off, you know, a four-interception game. The offense was not going the way he wanted. I, 
I'm sure O'Connell did things differently in this game after talking about how he wanted to kind of mold the offense around Dobbs' skill set. And I saw Alec Lewis from Athletic had a thing about shotgun and how they were in a shotgun a lot more than um, than they, they had been before. But I, just to my untrained eye, I thought it'd be more. I mean, I, there was the one bootleg. I know he got to Hawkinson, but it still felt like he was in the pocket a lot, not as much moving around. And maybe that's just being unrealistic, right? Maybe that's just not – you can't scrap an entire offensive scheme and what you do with your quarterback in the short amount of time they had. So I, I, I don't know how difficult the decision was, but when you bring a guy in when the offense is not struggling and, and he shows some rhythm and the, and the offense starts to do some things and you get a feel, I mean, it was, I didn't think there was any way they were going back to Dobbs. Now this is not to say right, Nick Mullins is a miracle worker and he's, you know, going to be great, but I just think, I think you and I talked about this before the game when we said we were trying to guess who we thought he would go with. I thought it would be Mullins before the game because I, I I think if they hadn't had the bye, it would have been Mullins. But I think because they had those that extra week, it gave O'Connell time to think about m- more ways to, to kind of maximize Dobbs' skill set. But when he had that time and it still didn't translate into better performance, I think then he said – Let's just go with the guy who knows the offense, who's been here longer, and we just have some more familiarity with everything. An interesting thing, though, to, to me, and this doesn't get uh, discussed a lot. Seifert brought this up in the questioning to O'Connell a couple of days ago when O'Connell talked about fairly briefly, especially for him, the switch. Uh, but, Chipper, the thing that intrigues me, and it's not a huge deal, but it's definitely played a role, is the feeling of the training staff and O'Connell when Mullins was set to come back from that back. Like he came off IR, but the more you hear those guys talking about it, they're definitely, and and when Seifert tried to ask Nick about what, you know, transpired in practice, he was not going there. No. There's definitely yeah. more to that entire story than we know, and I do think that played a role in the hesitation to go to yeah. him until now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because of his back, and we still don't have a clear answer, like what happened, like why – and it was you practice, but then Mullins didn't want to talk about it, which it, leads me to believe, like, was it preseason? Because he did get hit a lot in preseason. Yeah, it, it's clear based on – because I was there for Mullins' uh, press conference yesterday, and he's not going to divulge what happened, the extent of it, you know. Uh, but I don't I, – you don't get the sense that he was 100% going into that game. I don't. I don't know what the percentage is, but it didn't seem to affect him. But they just felt like maybe there was enough there and maybe Dobbs needed one more chance. Because it was interesting, whoever the – I can't remember who the the announcers were, the game announcers were. But they the, the play-by-play guy made the comment that they had talked to O'Connell in the, in the pre-production, in the production meeting, and he said something to the effect of – O'Connell said, this is the time when teams have given up on Dobbs in the past. Yeah. And he wanted to give them – one more, I don't know if he said one more chance or just a longer look than than what he uh, what he had. So, you know that that tells me that he was going to exhaust this as much as he can to see if he if he could find that spark. But it's it's the damnedest thing, Judd. How do you explain the first two games where there was just this magical and maybe it's the the initial sugar high where a guy's just kind of reacting and off the cuff and freelancing and you can't sustain that but 
it's just it's crazy. The more uh, familiarity he got with the with the offense, the worse the, he started to play. So I, I I don't understand it. Well, the Falcons game I think was was a basically uh, he didn't know the playbook, and O'Connell is literally just trying to get him through. And so I think that, that there was no question that Dobbs cut things loose. Here here's the thing with guys like Dobbs, um, who seems like a brilliant dude. Like, mm-hmm. he might not be a brilliant football player, but he's a brilliant dude. And here's what I think, Chipper. I think guys like that, w- when they have nothing to lose, so, like, you get thrown into that Falcons game and everyone thinks you're going to suck, and you take a sack and it's a safety, I think that you just say, screw it, let's play. Yeah. I think the yeah. more that there's an expectation, and here's the difference, and Warner doesn't. So the one thing where I, I'd be curious to talk to Kurt about his film breakdown at Dobbs, where I think it gets a bit – murky is this um because he didn't break down the bears game he broke down the raiders game and in the bears game dobbs had what four picks right yeah in in the raiders game warner on the coaching film kept saying where's he supposed to throw he's not open he's not open well the reality is in this league guys aren't open you it's why you throw the anticipatory ball right so I, i think what happened was in dobbs in sort of a dobbs defense I think he was so freaked out by his failures against the Bears that he wasn't going to force a ball. Well, if you don't force a ball, like that's the whole thing O'Connell has talked about with Kirk. You got to at times make a risky pass. So I think it's sort of just sort of steamrolled. And I think the more that Dobbs plays, the worse he gets, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, you're right because uh, some of those, he's saying there's nowhere to throw here. And, you're, you you do wonder if those four interceptions and how much he's heard about we can't turn the ball over and just play it safe, right? Made you a little gun shy to throw it into tight windows or to take the chances that you might otherwise or that you have to uh, because there aren't. T- now some of that might have been there. There also, I mean, I, I trust Kurt Warner. He said these route combinations don't make sense or they're they're not conducive. That actually concerned me. There, there's probably something. I mean, like. This is a high-level quarterback who you know who knows what he's talking about when he sees it. So when he explains it to that way, you're like, "Wow!" I mean, that's not something I'm going to be able to pick apart. You know, just watching it live when you're watching it. So I, I found it interesting. I want to go back and watch the rest of it today. I just got to see the first five minutes, but so I think there's a lot of credence to what he said. But Judd, you can't get past the fact that you know you had the turnovers and then the ineffectiveness this last week, and it's just um, you're in a playoff race, right? <laughs> and, and you and you you need to. They're going to have to win a certain way, right? We, we This offense is not going to be what we thought it was. It's not going to be a top 10, I don't think, scoring offense without Cousins here. But, Judd, I was looking, you got a top five scoring defense. There's no. five in the NFL in scoring defense. Like, make sense of that one after what we saw last year. Third defense first Flores. team? Well, so it's, it's completely turned upside down. And so yeah. um, they're going to have to scratch and claw and figure out. Now, I do want to see. With with JJ back, and you know if if he can have the spark on this offense and make things because the other thing is Judd, they were running the ball pretty doggone effective until Madison got hurt there. I mean he he was getting I don't know what his average was that you know, nice that game, but it was for yeah. Him. So uh, yeah, so I I, I just think. I understand what Kurt Warner was saying, and he there's a lot of validity to what he's saying, but I, I just. I I think that the move is the right move for, for this team right now.
This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Yes, Roscoe, go ahead. On Nick Mullins, all things being equal, if he was healthy even after Josh Dobbs was acquired, do you guys think that was the preferred route for Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings? And the only reason why we saw more of Josh Dobbs was because Mullins was injured, then came in and had that initial burst, leading the Vikings to two wins. I feel like Nick Mullins is the guy they would have wanted from the get-go if he was available. I would say yes. And, uh, you know, he would have been the starter in Atlanta if he was healthy enough. I mean, they did not want to start Jaron Hall. They don't want to play Jaron Hall. They want this to be a developmental year. So if he was healthy, I think he would have been their guy. And so it's in the back, you know, back injuries are weird. They're tricky and you never know when they're going to flare up. And so, Yes, I think he would have been the guy all along because he was the guy coming out of training camp, right? He was their number two. He was going to be the the backup. And he's the, the guy that, you know, keep in mind, late in training camp of, what, 2022, they went and got him because mm-hmm. Mannion and Mon were messes. And yeah. and Nick, I mean, Nick's not great, but he he's played. And, and the thing, too, is I don't think that um, – I don't think O'Connell ever – necessarily wanted to get away from what he wants to do. And and the one thing that really concerned me, though, Chipper, that Warner said was when he brought up, hey, these concepts don't really make sense because you know what? We're not smart enough to like be absolutely sure that Kevin O'Connell is calling or designing great plays. Like, like we have theories and stuff, but you know, when a Hall of Fame quarterback is basically saying these routes don't make sense, it is a little bit concerning. And the other thing that, that you brought up that definitely concerned me, if it's true, was the whole um, O'Connell saying, well, you know what, Dobbs, I, you know, he's been had the plug pulled. Because what concerns me about that is that's O'Connell's story. O'Connell was a third-round pick who, who didn't play. Dobbs has played yeah. way more, but he was a fourth-round pick. And this is no time to be feeling sorry for a guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, sorry. I... I, I... <laughs> That that's O'Connell's nature, right? He's gonna yes. he's gonna tr- trust guys, and he's not gonna be knee jerk. We we've seen that he's not a knee jerk coach. I mean, he's uh he's a guy that um, I think tries to take a level head with stuff, and so but he wants to communicate really what you know. Yes, that, that's yes. his thing. Yeah, and and I I I, I wonder. I would love to see how this offense and the route combinations, all those things were functioning when Cousins was rolling there before he got hurt versus what we're seeing now. I Is it similar? Is it same, different? I have no idea. But this is – how often have you seen a team start four different quarterbacks in a season? 
I mean, it's you talking about and and a different varieties. You know, I mean, that's yep. the thing. That's well, it's, 2010. It's, they didn't even the roof collapsed. We just celebrated the anniversary <laughs> of the roof of the Metrodome collapsing, and that didn't. How happen. many were there that year? How many year were there? There's uh, Brett three? Favre, Tavares, Jackson, Joe Webb, right? Yeah. So three that year, and. <laughs> I think it's both a uh, testament to the team and also an indictment on the league <laughs> that they still control their own destiny in the. Uh, I mean, oh God! I, we were talking. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Reisner about this the other day. As I, when you think about it, zero and three, you lose Cousins, you lose Jefferson. I mean, these guys should be booking excursions in the Bahamas right now. But mm-hmm. it's a testament that they've you know they've hung in there and, and won enough games to be in the mix, but also. Let's be honest, it's an indictment on the NFL, too, that all these teams are I, – I, I've never seen this. It, it's like a 20-car pileup on an icy interstate With the, if you look at the standings. Yeah, and Chipper, they're in the sixth seed. They're not even in the seventh <laughs> seed. That's the incredible thing is – Nobody's they, eliminated. With the old format, they're in. With the old I format, they're, they're in. And, I mean, they're in if, – if they can play halfway decent football, they're in pretty good shape. That's the thing. It's like uh, – if you're eliminated by now, you're really bad because nobody's getting eliminated until the last thing. But it's it's, you know, and that I was going to write this, Judd. I know there's people that say, oh, you know, what you know, keep winning. You're going to get in the playoffs. You have no business. You're going to get killed by the 49ers. You'll get killed by the Eagles. You get killed by the Cowboys. Why are you messing up your draft position for that? And I just don't like that logic. I mean, winning matters. You take a season as far as it'll go, right? And if you get killed in the first round of the playoffs, that's as far as it could go. But just to be constantly worried about draft positioning, like, are you going to tell that to Daniil Hunter? Or Well, that's the thing is players don't. Yeah, players don't. Yeah, I, I was talking to Reiser, and Reiser's like, you know, we fought our ass off to get back in this thing. And, we're, you know, that's what you do. Sorry for my – excuse my language there. Um, ass is fine. I was, just, about that. I was just repeating what he said. And I think there's something to be said about that. You know, it's like just – Keep doing the, you know, trying to fight and claw and win. And then if it's when you're not good enough, you'll be eliminated. But I just, I don't understand the whole philosophy of this makes this, this is fruitless, you know, because it's, I just don't well, get that philosophy. And that depends on what the team wants as well, too. Because, yeah. you know, players and coaches do not quit, they're not going to quit. Um, teams can quit. So, like at the deadline, if, if you had, wanted to trade away pieces you certainly can then but you know I, I mean this has been such a weird year too because the start's maddening because it's based yes. on what turnovers which are your fault and if you don't like it's one of those rare occasions where you can unequivocally put your finger on the problem and say eliminate three of these things and this is a totally different year and right now you're right in contention for a division title like that's yeah. that's the maddening thing and i I my problem is I can't absolve O'Connell completely because he's the coach. So I know he sure. didn't fumble, but I also can't. But this has been one of the more well intriguing in some ways because it's been so up and down as far as the roller coaster goes. Yeah. But it's been one of the more maddening years too because all you know that one and four start. How many games did you have an opportunity to win if you could just hold on to the damn football which you work on all training camp? Well, the zero and three, you know, I would say the Eagles are still better than you. Yeah. And you could have won that. The incredible thing you could have. Game. You could have the fumble at the goal line by JT. But yeah, it, it felt like you gave that away as much as they beat you. Now I give the other team credit for taking advantage of your mistakes. But yes, you you that's a you problem. 
when you're turning the ball over to the degree that they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you think about if they hadn't done that and dug that hole where they might be and given themselves a little more cushion. But uh, this season has felt like four different seasons to me. Yes. And some of that's because of the quarterback, the injuries, and, and the you know, you win five in a row or then you have bad losses. So it's just – it's been so weird. And so I – I honestly, because of what has happened with their offense in the quarterback situation, these final four games literally could go anyway. Yes. You just, and, and the way the league is, I mean, well, I saw a quarterback, everybody's calling Tommy Cutlets, <laughs> you know, play. Oh, yeah. Tommy DeVito, the Giants. Yeah. Hey, Tommy. I love that. Hey, and Daniel Jones is like going to disappear. I, I love that story, man. Can you imagine getting to cover that story? The agent was fantastic. The agent, it, that's uh, incredible. The, it was, the agent's uh, my favorite. It's like, you cannot make this up. You cannot make this no. up. No. And, and with the Giants, oh, you know, right, right by yeah. where the legend of Jimmy Hoff is buried <laughs> in the old so end zone good. of Giants Stadium. It's just, that's it's what just makes outstanding. It so funny, boys. It's not nearly as funny if he's quarterbacking the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's hilarious. No, it's a good story. No, it's, it's, it's a great it's, story yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, and it you know, it, it, but not you know we, we look at the Cousins thing, but just the the quarterbacks that have been lost this year in, in the NFL, it's just created you know chaos. Yeah, it, it, in fact, Ross, run run through that list of Browns QBs as well because they also oh, see, have yeah. started four. Yeah, Chip, they've also played four quarterbacks this year, and I'm trying to dig up what is the record for NFL an NFL franchise starting quarterbacks, but the Browns have also had four different starters. So, but, and they are Deshaun Watson, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, PJ Walker, and now Joe Flacco, who barring injury will be the starter the remainder of the year per Kevin Stefanski. But between the Vikings and Browns alone, that is eight different starting quarterbacks. And they're just two teams. We haven't even went down the list of other teams that have had injuries. Yeah. Has, how many, how many, how many teams have lost their starting quarterback for the year? I think it's right double, now we're it's double some, digits, right? Yeah, I think right now we're at ten teams starting backups. I think that that's what it is. Man. Well, Herbert's done for the year, right? If you go down the list, yep. Aaron Rodgers likely done for the year. Um, yes. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's nuts. Watson. Yep. That's just four. Yeah, it's like ten. It's like ten starters have been Giants. Daniel yep. Jones Daniel got Jones. knocked yeah. out. But so, Chipper, you bring up a really, and it's not talked about a lot, but to me, it's one of the most in- intriguing points because I agree. This season has again really, really crystallized how long, and I know they don't play a ton of games, how long a season is, though, and what the grind is like. And I come back to one thing you're going to go to 18 games. Like 16 was, like, it's been driven home into me more than ever. 16 was such a sweet spot, right? Yeah. Like, there's still, what, four games left right now. It's, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but to put your players and their bodies through this and you're going to go to 18, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah, and we, we I feel like we have this conversation every year when you get to the final month and we're like, and you want to add another game on top of this? Right. Because it's, right. the product is so bad. When you look at just how the injury situation, and maybe it's the recency bias. Does this happen? Every, I mean, we don't you don't lose this many starting quarterbacks typically. But it feels like we have this conversation every year about injuries. It's like it's affecting the play. So you don't you need to add so, games. Yes. You don't need and to. I, and I understand it's a money thing, and we'll watch no matter what the product looks like. But it's 
when you think about what players are doing now just to get to Sunday or Thursday, whatever it is, I mean, it's we can scream and say the product looks bad, but as long as those checks are cashing, they're going to keep adding games. You just can't. My issue is this. You can't claim you care about player safety and do this. Like, that's the thing. The attrition is so severe, right? And and I don't doubt it when players say it's basically like going through a once-a-week car crash. And 16 games was still a lot, but it was just such a sweet spot. You know, mm-hmm. I just think it's ridiculous that if you are a team with championship aspirations, you still have four games left. And then you have the playoffs, which are another grind. And by the way, the tempo in the playoffs goes up even more. Well, and it's why it's sort of boring at the time when we're talking about position battles and training camp and rookies and young guys and setting your 53 and doing these things. And it's, you know, it may cause us to yawn and it's probably not sexy to write about and talk about, but you darn well better have good backups because those are the teams that are going to be able to survive all this carnage that you see throughout the season. I mean, it's, it's why your scouts have to be good. It's why you get a draft good. Mm-hmm. It's why you can't have missed drafts because you, you deplete your depth, your good depth. And so, um, yeah, it's as they add more games to a season, I think it puts more onus on front offices to be more right when they're building out their roster. The other layer on the 18 game schedule, which I agree will happen at some point, it's been floated or hinted that they'll add a bye week. So maybe each team has two bye weeks. Well, then how do you go about being fair splitting up those bye weeks? You know, you can't give one team two buys in the first nine games and then somebody gets one week six and week 12, which inevitably will happen. But there are going to be some teams that look at their schedule and cry foul. I think one of the ways around this is to just not have preseason games at all. And all you're doing is inner squad scrimmages that might avoid some of the beatdown factor. But a lot of the guys we're talking about aren't playing in preseason anyways. Well, and, and I don't know. Owners aren't going to give up preseason games too, and and the buys are good. Guys get they get rested, but I don't know if you're getting healthy. I don't know right. if your body's getting completely back to where it needs to be in one week. It's, I mean, they're not going to turn it down. They're not going to, you know, say we don't need it. And it's, I'm sure it's valuable, but there's a reason why these guys take weeks off after a season to get their bodies back. And from a selfish standpoint, as a fan of games. There's not an upside to playing 17 to 18 games because of the attrition that takes place. I mean, I want for as long as possible, I want as many players healthy. And the math doesn't work. The more games you play, the more guys get dinged up and hurt. And and I know, Chipper, you're exactly right. This is all about how much can, can we make. Largely not because of tickets, but because of TV. TV, but, yeah. But you're a 1,000 percent right here the the one idea that the league is not glummed onto that i had a couple of years back and i still maintain so i'm with ross like the preseason the product in the first four weeks is so bad it's not gonna it doesn't really help to play but what i said a couple of years ago or about five years back is this what if you moved two two game preseason chipper that you played in june with only young players so your draft class so you played actually two games in, in the month of June because th- this league is eating up everything else, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and you did it with, with draft picks, UDFAs, and perhaps guys on a bubble of some sort. So the veterans don't play. 
something yeah. like that. Cause, cause we, we are going to go down to two preseason games once they get to 18 for sure. And then, and then take a break and come back in July for training camp or just, exactly. Cause yep. there has, yeah. At the end yeah. of, at, at the end of OTAs and mini camps, you play this that one would, game or two games. I like it. I like it. And you, it could be like any player under, Oh yeah. You don't want like, just set right. Yeah. It's very similar um, to college in the spring games. Except yeah. you have to play a real game. You can't get away with this yep. crap the golfers yeah. do where they have like a horse on jogging around the field. Go, Goldie runs the touchdown. Yeah. No, yeah. you can't do that. You, Victor, you've got to play a real game. Interim. No, no, spring game. You know, there's nothing more disappointing than being a football fan and going to your first spring game and realizing it's yeah. just a bunch of nothing. It's a glorified yeah. practice. And, and at the yeah. U of them, they're never open to fans anymore anyways because of weather. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – I think anything should be on the table because, uh, yeah, it's it's you, you when you look at these injuries, and maybe they just say, "Hey, violent sport, this is going to happen." Teams are still competing, but look at the product on some of these games, Judd. I know. Well, I mean, it's the it's, Vikings are on their fourth know. quarterback, man. The Vikings are on their fourth quarterback. You're not going to have a great product. You don't play four yeah. quarterbacks in a preseason game. <laughs> That's right. You don't even have That's four right. quarterbacks. <laughs> you don't even have them on your roster. I know. I know. But yeah, it's that's. But to get back to the point, I mean, here they are in the month of December for you know in their sixth spot, and yeah, uh, they're going to finish up with three division games. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see how they cobble this together because I think the defense is so good that they're going to keep them in these games. It's just can they find a way to score enough points with their fourth different starting quarterback to win, you know, win these games. Last thing, Brian Flores, head coach or not next season. And if he is, who is he coaching? You think? Yeah. I, I, I will be shocked if he doesn't get interviews. He'll get interviews. He, sh- he should. He Might should. When you look He'll at get interviews, when you look at how, what he's done with this defense, it's nuts. I, I don't know. I don't know what jobs are going to come open. Um, I think he will be probably selective in finding the right situation for him. I, I think he can be. I think he's got a great situation here in terms of what O'Connell's let him do. Basically, this is your defense. I'm sure they're paying him well. He seems to like it here. Guys want to be head coaches, though. They want to run their operations. So right. I'm not saying he's going to. This is going to be his. You know final job. So I don't know. I, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't get interviews, but he is so good. We talked about at the beginning of years, like, hey, I wonder how much difference does a coach make? Well, we're finding out. <laughs> we're finding out, you know, that, that question has been answered. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Chipper Roscoe. Thanks right. much. Uh, Purple access back n- next week with Tyler Fornis. We'll talk to Chip again in a couple weeks. We will see you later.